from an employee perspective i'll probably use a harry potter reference it looks a little bit like a dementor who's coming at you to suck your soul out there's this popular song by australian artist tame impala it's called the less i know the better which can also be said for something that's been around in the employer's toolkit for quite a while now it has the words improvement and plan in it but truth be told more often than not it plans to improve no one many companies both big and small indian and international have started to use pips to silently lay people off in a recent article by business insider chris williams a former vp of hr at microsoft said that you should leave a company right away if you've been put on a pip but how does it work i'll give you an example well imagine you operate a restaurant and you want some of your guests to leave because you want to free up some space so you go and stand next to them ask them if they'd like anything for dessert or just give them a death stare or two you're not telling them to leave but you're kind of expecting them to leave all the same that's basically what the pip is all about but wait what if you can actually make the pip better what if the pip can actually benefit both the employer and the employees is it even worth the effort or is the best pip policy not having a pip in the first place in this episode of cost to company i speak to three people the co-founder of an hr tech company an investor advisor and hr leader and an hr consultant to find out what's happening with the performance improvement plan and how it can be made better if at all you'll be hearing conversations insights and anecdotes which barely make it out alive from water coolers and grapevines in this episode of cost to company a weekly podcast around careers in workplaces by the ken i'm your host shriver To make sure we are on the same page, let's take a quick primer on what the PIP tangibly entails. From a okay. document perspective, uh, it's supposed to have what's the description of the issue that's happening. So, where is the performance dipping? Um, what is the expected outcome? So, what are the revised goals, or what do you want the person to deliver? That's Sumit Singla. He's an HR consultant based out of Delhi NCR. and has worked at marquee companies like Microsoft and Accenture in the past a few minutes ago you heard him compare the pip experience for employees with a dementor sucking your soul from the world of harry potter ideally it should also have a list of uh, things or resources that you're committing to saying we will provide you with training or we'll provide you with guidance or coaching or so on and so forth and what will be the end date for this pip along with any other terms and conditions saying mm-hmm. uh we will have weekly check-ins or we reserve the right to terminate the pip earlier if we see a spike in performance or uh in case of any ongoing issues we might decide to um dismantle it 
during the process and uh, take a call. Usually that's more of an unsaid thing, the last point, but it might be documented as well. And the other thing is also, again, conflict avoidance where uh, you know what your targets are. If you're unable to meet them, you yourself know the writings on the wall. Perhaps it's best for me to make a dignified exit. Say, I'm leaving rather than you saying, why don't you leave? So as Sumit just explained to us, the PIP is basically a nifty way of telling the employees that their time was up. It was the employer standing next to the desk of the employee not really telling them to leave, but expecting them to make an exit anyway. And this is where I think um, quite a few companies sort of use it as as a lever to, for the lack of a better word, to get rid of people. That's Sharthok Chakraborty. He's the co-founder of the HR tech platform Klar and has worked at several multinational companies like Cipla and Kraft Heinz as a manager of HR. During our conversation, if you hear sounds of birds because he was joining us from the lush Mumbai suburb of Pawai. Sharthak's perspectives were particularly interesting since he had an HR background and was a founder too. Right, and because, like you said, severance becomes an issue, um, even sometimes even more than severance, the image that goes out into the market, right, that you know this is a company that is doing layoffs and so on, um, the the reports that come out on LinkedIn or uh, editorial media and so on, just to avoid that is the second path where you sort of have made up your mind that we need to, you know, lay off 100 people, 200 people. And the way to go is through PIPs. Um, I, I know for a fact that, um, and you would also obviously know that one of the fan companies, uh, maybe more than one of the fan companies actually did this. My friend was unfortunately a part of it so yeah that's the that's the second thing um, which which happens and probably the the third part of the equation is has got to do with sometimes there's a legal requirement right like i have been a part of not me personally but the company has been a part of court cases where the people have actually gone and registered cases that i was laid off without reason and to cover your bases, you know, you need to do that PIP to show that uh, we'll talk about the intent later on, but you need to do, you need to have that PIP to show that the person was given a fair opportunity. And even after that, you know, the results didn't improve and hence this action. And no prizes for guessing that it doesn't really end up benefiting the employees. In PIPs, the performance actually went down like the, the performance metrics that were being tracked. Because, I mean, imagine from the employee's perspective, right? I mean, you're in his or her mind, uh, in their mind, you're going to ask me after three months. I mean, why do I put the effort of doing that? I would rather, you know, use it to build my CV and um, start scouting for jobs. So the performance actually went down. The irony of the performance improvement plan is that the performance of the employee actually becomes worse. You spend most of your time thinking not about improvement, but rather interviews of the other places that you've applied to. The stigma itself makes you start looking out for other gigs. And because of the stigma, I asked my guests whether the PIP has a bit of a branding issue. They did agree, but their solutions to the problem were a bit different. 
And in my experience, something as simple as even changing the name of PIPs. So for example, let's say I start calling them Performance Success Plan. That's Nimesh Mathur. He's an investor, advisor, and until recently was the head of people success at Haptic by Reliance Geo. Nimesh comes with oodles of experience in the HR space and has been a part of the startup ecosystem since 2008. Now, it subconsciously impacts the way it's perceived by both parties. Because you are saying, I'm defining the success criterias and the goal is for you to be successful. Right? And just a small shift in it becoming something that three parties are working together, which is the employee, the manager, and the HR team. And the goal is to make the person successful. So it's it's more collaborative than, you know, saying that, okay, this one person is responsible for executing it from the start to the end. Because if you do that, you, you will likely have some kind of a bias, right? Because a manager may have a bias because of various reasons, which, you know, you may, may not know unless you dig deep into it. And that's the reason before even having the conversation on PIP, you have to ask a ton of questions in advance, right? You have to find the root cause that what is failing? Has the manager even provided sufficient evidence that there is an issue? How often has the feedback been given to an employee? So there is so much that needs to happen before we even get to who owns it because there are so many nuances before the conversation is started with an employee. Nimesh said that even before the PIP or the PSP starts, asking the right questions is pivotal. Let's hear what Sumit, the HR consultant, had to say. So being fond of Shakespeare, I'll just go to a rose by any other name would smell as sweet. And of course, that's true for PIPs as well. You can rebrand all you want. The stigma will exist. Today, we might come up with a fancy name. I mean, for one of my clients, I suggested a name called, let's call it the Rekindle program. And um, the reason that I decided to suggest rebranding was because uh, PIPs, of course, had stigma. And I was trying to build a cultural change among the managers saying, Rekindle. So what do you rekindle? It basically mm. means all the ingredients for uh, fire are there. So you have a spark, you have something that's worth igniting. Mm. Uh, you're simply rekindling that fire. And that's what, as a manager, you need to be cognizant of, that the ingredients for success are there. And if you don't believe it, forget this program, stop wasting time and money, just let the person go. I mean, it's better to cut the cord right now, spare them the indignity and the humiliation of uh, dragging along for another two months just because you're scared of legal consequences or something of that sort. Sharthok also chipped in with his thoughts. In one of my previous companies, we actually did a really cool thing just to test this story out, right? Mm. We rebranded the entire process altogether, right? And by rebranding, we mean that we came up, came up with a different name, um, did a bunch of communication as to how, you know, it's not a PIP anymore. We really genuinely want to improve and so on and so forth. Um, guess the end result of it. Like, did it actually help didn't help oh that's so uh did it help i guess it didn't oh damn it didn't (laughs) that was the that was the realization so 
I mean, see, people are intelligent, right? So you can do a lot of branding, but they are, we all are, are, are looking at the end outcome of it. As you've probably guessed by now, the reason why you don't hear too much about the PIP in popular discourse is because it's so personal and more often than not, demotivating. In fact, one of the guests on this very episode of Cost to Company was put on a PIP pretty early on in their career. And that had quite a profound impact on them. How exactly? We'll find out after this break. I'll share a very interesting anecdote, which ideally I should not be sharing because I have been through a PIP very early in my career, right? And the only thing is, it's just, it wasn't called PIP, but what it meant was that I was actually justifying what work I did at the outcome to my manager every alternate day. Now, it can be seen as micromanagement. It can be seen as uh, a performance improvement plan. But I came successful through that PIP. And, and in the hindsight, I realized that it actually inculcated some habits in me which may not have happened otherwise. Like I, I developed the ability to focus on things that matter because that's how the PIP was designed, wherein I was asked to talk about what impact I had with the work I did in the last two days. Right? So I became more judicious of the things I spend time on because what happens in very early stage companies is you can spread yourself too thin, right? You're, you're, you're trying to contribute everywhere. You're busy without accomplishing much. And I think I did suffer from that for a little bit of time. And that led to a dip in my performance. And I know I'm talking very positively about it now, but when I went through it, I hated it. So I hated the fact that how can somebody like me who has performed well in my previous role can be called as an underperformer, right? And I hated it. But I realized later that did it help me become more focused and my work approach changed? Yes, it did. So I've seen myself coming out of it. So I definitely wouldn't say that PIPs don't work or they should be abolished. I think they have their value if they are done well, though, with a positive intent. After being put on a PIP, Nimesh actually took the feedback with a positive stride and came out of the program stronger. Of course, hindsight favors the successful. And while Sumit himself wasn't put under the PIP, he had to deal with a rather unique situation. I mean, I won't talk about the name of the organization or the person, but sure. uh, there's this consulting firm that I joined and... Um, while they were looking for uh, staffing for a project of mine, um, I was I was fairly new. So they they said these are two people who will be supporting you as part of your team, and I was like, okay, fine, that's that that works for me. Um, and then um, one person with some well-meaning advice comes up to me over a water cooler conversation and says, "Do you know one of the folks they've given you as part of your team is on a PIP?" Oh, in a very hush-hush way, is it? In a very hush-hush way. I said, yeah, fine. So what? No, the person is on a PIP. I said, yeah, that's fine. I'll deal with it. And conversation over. So we started work. Um, I 
did a goal setting exercise with this person did not bring up the the pip part of it at all mm. uh, and after a few days when this person was a little more comfortable with me uh, again in a hushish way this person says uh, do you actually know i'm on a pip i said yeah <laughs> i don't really care i mean <laughs> these are the goals you and i have agreed to um i would expect you to live up to your end of the bargain that's all uh so he says you really don't care i'm on a pip and i said yeah i mean it's not like it's an albatross around your neck and you're walking around with it um i really don't care and neither should you let's mm. just focus on making this a fresh start so forget whatever has happened or i i don't really even want to get to get into why uh, you're on a pip unless you want to share that with me and i'm more than willing to build a plan to help you develop help you improve if there are areas you think you should be improving in otherwise of course this is a different new project um i will obviously keep setting up time with you i'll share whatever's going well whatever's not going well and we'll find ways to address it hmm. and uh unfortunately i can't take names but this person actually got promoted and uh did an absolutely phenomenal job even today wow. i'd be I, and i've done this in the past i'd be more than uh, delighted to give them a glowing reference it was only a bit of uh, a settling in issue apparently due to which they had uh, a pip and it was more of uh, someone probably being trigger happy and just saying no this person is not cutting it we don't really have the time and the resources to explain things to them let's put them on a pip we'll hire someone else as nimesh and sumit just let us know pips don't always lead to negative outcomes but a major bone of contention when it comes to pip one that causes unnecessary stress is ownership since the employee is on the receiving end of things who actually ends up owning the process of the performance improvement plan the hr or the manager see in my mind it's really clear in my mind 90% of the ownership lies with the manager right um 90% of it there are times when pips are also initiated by hr folks uh, there are and i'm not going to mince my words about that and probably that's when a more detailed handshake needs to happen but in, in for all intents and purposes it lies with the manager because if the manager if if today one of my team members i am putting on a pip i can't just offload it to my head of people success and say that you know you draft a pip with that person i mean i'm going to check in once every fortnight that makes zero sense right it i mean if you're truly doing it with the intent with a good intent it lies with the manager because the manager knows the why of you know why the pip is happening in the first place uh, the manager knows the intricacies probably why the person is not being able to meet the targets or any will issues and so on it has to be owned by the manager now this doesn't dissolve hr of its duties where where does hr step in right so in my mind hr steps in or an hr business partner steps in um like they always do as as a sounding board so sharthak was of the opinion that hr isn't really the main character here 
It's more of a manager-employee story. But is that enough to make a PIP successful? Yeah, I think it's a tricky thing, right? The reality is the data says less than 10% of the PIPs are successful, right? So when you mention it in those many words, it almost looks like that's your strategy. That, you know, we have a strategy of uh, putting people in PIPs, where in reality... That's the last thing you want to do as well, because as a manager or as an HR team, it, it is an investment of your time as well, right? So it is actually something which no one wants to happen, but it happens, right? And it should always be the last resort, right? Which is you have given the feedback, you have coached the person, and it's, it's just an intent issue from the other end as well at times. So right now, I think primarily when people talk about this issue, they always talk from what an employer can do better. In reality, we should also talk about what an employee can do better. Let's say if you realize that, uh, you know, the job content doesn't interest you. You have no motivation to do well in a role. Right? You, you just don't want to work hard. Now, I know it's very difficult for people to accept that they don't want to work hard. But in those situations, uh, you should be open about it that yes, I have performed badly and I probably deserve to be in an improvement plan. And if I don't do well, I probably don't deserve to be at this company because I'm you know, putting my colleagues down who are giving their 100% both in terms of effort and in terms of outcomes. Right. So, but, but that intellectual honesty is very difficult to find. Right. And you'll, you'll really hear people say that, yes, I think, uh, you know, it was right on the company's part to, uh, you know, help me perform better through a very focused uh, plan. Shartok told me about the only instance where he saw a successful PIP being performed from the top down. So I've seen one, one leader do this beautifully. Incidentally, not from an HR background, from a sales background. So the intent has been locked. The first thing is to convey the intent. And we have to bear in mind that this will be received with a fair um, share of, you know, skepticism, right? That, I mean, this is what everybody says. The second thing, I think, like all of leadership is to walk the talk, right? So to explain to the person, why are they being put on a PIP in the first place? So majority of the PIP cases where I have received requests from line leaders uh, when I was in HR and contrary to popular belief, HR is not the devil, right? We receive a lot of requests from line leaders. So in majority of the cases, there were no prior discussions with the people that, you know, this is what is being considered. Uh, please step up your game. Uh, this is the support that I'm providing to step up your game, nothing of that sort. Like one fine day we get emails that, you know, put this person on a PIP. That doesn't work, right? You, the person needs to be aware why they are being put on an improvement plan in the first place. The third lever of this is, and I think this is the most important lever, which is defining success metrics of the PIP. What, what will help the leader and the person to align that this was a successful or a not successful or an unsuccessful PIP. And this is where I think a lot of teams go wrong because um, it's it's difficult, 
honestly it's difficult we say smart goals and all of those things um and as a performance platform founder even then i would say it's very difficult right so get the success metrics correct and don't let it be you know nebulous or ambiguous break it down um tell them what time periods are you tracking right so there were cases when people came up and said that you said that it's going to be a 3 months program my manager says it's a 1 month program i mean how am i you know supposed to show results in a month right so alignment is key um so that's that's the third lever right what are the success metrics aligning the people on them and number 4 is if the intent is truly good you're going to support the person to improve you aren't just going to say that you know you're not doing well and you're being put on a plan better do well or you know you know what will happen that makes no sense right i mean you need to support the person understand the root causes of probably why that person is not doing well what can change put the person in touch with the right um, mentors maybe or uh, different leaders subject matter experts but it's as much on the manager as you know as much it is on the person so to speak of so but nimesh wasn't done yet he wanted to go to the brass tacks not just the overarching strategy but on the document level something that sumit had spoken to us a few minutes ago i think one basic thing that the the document should have is a section where you mention what do you need to be successful where the employee has the right to fill in that what do they need from their manager or their manager's manager what do they need from their end so that now it's a very dialogue shivir right which is you're giving me an opportunity but if you're not approaching it the right way from a mindset perspective it cannot be successful irrespective of what other best practices you follow great so we've discussed all the things that can be used to make a successful performance improvement plan intent dialogue expectations goals needs and let's assume that these things have been met but in this situation is it really worth disclosing to the other employees to your colleagues that you've been put under a pip no very interesting question and i think uh, we need to balance transparency with the need to maintain employee confidentiality and trust because what i've seen shiver is someone going through a pip will likely have an expectation of privacy regarding their performance issues right and therefore unless they choose to share it with others or they proactively give their consent to you i don't think it can be disclosed in a plain black and white right and because another aspect we need to be respectful of is there can be various reasons of underperformance right it can at times just be inadequate support from the leadership and managerial right so at, at that time you may choose to not at all make it uh, public but there can be instances where an employee themselves choose to be for example i have seen a case where somebody working in a large company actually took help from his peers 
to get better. In fact, the person went to the peers and said, hey, can I be shadowing your calls? This person was a business development manager. So the person went to colleagues, tell that I want to be on your calls, learn from their calls, worked literally beyond, you know, far and beyond in that phase of PIP and came out with flying colors. But that was the person's choice. But assume a case where I would have said that, hey, you know, Nimesh is struggling. So maybe you guys want to help him. I'm not sure if, you know, the outcome would have been same and the way it would have been looked at would have been same. Right. So it's a very personal thing, in my opinion. Sumit, on the other hand, had a slightly different take on things. I'm more of the openness and transparency advocate. So I would say, bring it out in the open it would just help to remove some of the stigma because in any case, uh, people being people, the grapevine will know before a PIP letter is issued that you're about to be issued a letter. And so there's no point hushing it up. Instead, it's a better idea to bring it out in the the open. And again, there are industries where, or there are roles where this is a more frequent occurrence. Like in sales, based on the accounts that you're handling, based on uh, various parts of uh, the market and various fluctuations, there are people who regularly get put on PIPs. It may not work for roles which are a little more subjective or less numeric. Like in sales, Mm. it's easier to track and measure that you're X percent behind the run rate where you should be at. Correct. In a role like say finance or legal or HR, or something that's not as clearly structured, it can still be a challenge, but I'd like to see PIPs becoming a little more mainstream. So that made me believe that for certain roles, a performance improvement plan makes sense. But for the others, what if the PIP itself could be done away with? Why deal with such a stressful process if we all know what the outcome is going to be? As they say, the best performance improvement plan policy is not having one in the first place. So I asked Sharthok. See, now I'm putting my founder hat on, right? And I'm, I no longer have my HR hat on. Can we totally do away with it? In an ideal world, yes. Right? Where, where every person behaves like an owner, where every person has that um, ownership, accountability, and you know things are hunky-dory, there is collaboration, then there is no need of a PIP because people would probably understand themselves and try to step up. But I mean, we live in the real world, of course. So from a founder perspective, um, and in spite of being in HR, I don't think we should entirely do away with it. What, what we should probably focus on is the intent. Again, I, I keep circling back to it that how can we make this a more beneficial process so that it actually helps the individual. Throughout this episode, we learned that if the intent is in the right place, if you genuinely want your employees to do better, a PIP makes sense. But if you're anyway looking to let the person go, which is mostly the case these days, it's perhaps best to nip it in the bud and not extend the painful process. It's a waste of time, money and resources for both parties. So sure, you can go to the lengths and depths of making a PIP successful from whatever you've heard. But if it's not coming from a good place, you'll most certainly end up 
in a bad one. What are some of your thoughts around the performance improvement plan? And did these thoughts evolve after listening to this episode? I'm curious to know your thoughts. I'm on LinkedIn and Twitter. So is the Ken. See you for the next episode. This episode of Cost to Company was written, produced and hosted by Shrivar Chotaria with audio engineering by Rajiv CM. I'm your other host, Sneha, and you'll hear from me next Tuesday on Cost to Company.